it's not like a human being and it will not replace a human being for the next couple of, uh, of years. Hello and welcome to Exploring Digital Spheres. In a previous episode, I spoke to Jessica Schmeiss about her research project Demystifying AI, in which she speaks about German companies using artificial intelligence. Well, today it is Jessica herself interviewing Marcel Peerlich, CEO of the company Adspurt. Peerlich and his company were among the first to introduce the use of AI for online marketing. Here is their conversation. I am here today in uh, the center of Berlin at the Edsbert office with Marcel Pierlich. Thank you, Marcel, for joining me today on our podcast. Um, would you mind explaining uh, to start us off a little bit who you are and what you do? Mm -hmm. Yes, sure. Um, happy to have you. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, my name is Marcel Pierlich. I'm CEO and founder of uh, the company called BitManagement GmbH. Uh, our product is Adspurt, mm -hmm. and Adspurt automatically buys media on auction-based advertising platforms. So what are auction-based advertising platforms? This is something like Google, for example, or Amazon, Bing, Yandex, but also all the real-time advertising slash programmatic platforms where you can buy all sorts of display, video, or mobile, mobile advertising. Mm -hmm. And um, in your own words, what does the term artificial intelligence mean to you? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. Um, and I know that there's lots of interpretations of uh, this term out there. Um, first of all, I would call it an evolution, not a revolution, because Basically, AI is nothing else than sophisticated statistics. Um, and what I understand, um, what AI is for me is actually a kind of self-learning, all dynamic combination of statistical systems. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, that's actually also what we do. We, our system automatically learns from changing parameters of our customers, of the market behavior and all these kind of things and takes it into account to self adapt to the new situations mm -hmm. and the trick. And that's actually also the power of AI and machine learning for me is that it can do, it actually does the same thing like a human being would do just a million trillion times faster. Mm -hmm. And uh, that makes it very efficient and uh, also very effective because you get the learnings very fast and very powerful. Yeah. And particularly to the advertising industry, that must be a really big advantage, right? Because I mean, I've worked in accounts like AdWords where you have keyword lists, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of keywords, and then you need to optimize the bids and everything was very manual yeah, in the past. Definitely. definitely. So it, again, let's take the example of a human being um, who's working on, let's say, one keyword. And if you have an account of a million keywords, just imagine you have a million people working on each keyword. Uh, sorry, on uh, uh, each keyword is uh, worked on by one uh, human being. And uh, with the power of software, you just have the kind of same effect of employing a million people working for you, mm -hmm. just that you don't have the million of people. And um, that, uh, especially with the example of the uh, Google uh, accounts, for example, where you have lots of different parameters that you can adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, statistical, statistical software can learn very quickly from minor changes in behaviors mm -hmm. um, and, and draw conclusions from it and, and take actions uh, based on these conclusions. Mm -hmm. And trial and error, trial and error, very, very fast. Uh, and of course, way faster than any human being can, can, mm -hmm. uh, can do that. And the other advantage, of course, is, um, since we 
kind of speak about replacing or adding something to the human uh, human beings um the software never sleeps so it's 24 7 uh, mm -hmm. it doesn't have any vacation it's never sick and all these kind of things um and i think this is the big uh, evolution of yeah. uh, of that ai brings uh, yeah. to us and so um for you as a company how long have you worked with a technology like that because i know you were founded in 2010 right yes yeah but actually we have a longer history we have a heritage in the financial services industry so uh, my two co-founders used to run a company which they founded back in 1999 which was focused on building trading software for banks such as deutsche bank but also kind of market research uh, systems for nielsen um, so we kind of have a history of 20 years in doing such sophisticated statistical software. Mm -hmm. And um, from what I see when I compare it to what currently is kind of hyped in the market, um, I see some differences in how we approach these kind of things and others which mm -hmm. have like two years of uh, uh, company history approach that. What would you say are those differences? Like, um, I think, first of all, we try to use less buzzwords um, because, uh, uh, and I always have a little problem in using the term AI mm -hmm. uh, because it's, it has such a wide um, range of definitions. On the other hand, um, it, it's also kind of how you, what is the actual problem that you try to resolve? Does it actually make sense to use something like AI or machine learning? Because for some things or neural networks and all these kind of things, for some things, it doesn't make sense to have some system just run and find its path mm. um, because every now and then there's, there's a situation where you can perfectly tell it already in which direction to go and then just refine it. And these are differences, which uh, let's say oftentimes are kind of, let's say um, not, not really taken into account. So everybody says it, it feels like AI is kind of like a universal key to everything, mm -hmm. um, which is, a, let's say, a waste of energy most of times. And uh, with that, what would you say, if we're looking at your typical customer, what specific problem do you solve with this technology for your customers? The problem that we solve for our customer is um, to kind of manage the big data that we have nowadays, especially in advertising. You have lots of kind of um, signals around you. It's like uh, if we again talk about Google or maybe even Amazon advertising, which is uh, currently a hot hot thing. Um, you have like, okay, when was the product bought? What's the characteristics of the person that bought it? What was the time? What was the location? What was the device? Uh, what was maybe... Um, The, the day of the week and all these kind of things. So there's lots of parameters that you can take into account if you have a statistical software. Um, with um, a human being couldn't do that. And especially since typically you have like very low data decisions uh, to take, that's something that only, let's say, a, a sophisticated statistics system mm -hmm. um, can solve. And in essence, what we solve for our customers is that we make their advertising more profitable by mm -hmm. taking all these different signals into account that they cannot. Mm -hmm. Simply because there's too much data that they couldn't process it. Exactly. It's, it's okay. too much data. It's... Um, Too much data, which on first sight may not have a correlation, but if you really look at it, it has a correlation. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you don't have any data for a certain advertising space and you need to kind of learn this very quickly. Uh, what we can do in these cases is, for example, we have uh, inheritance algorithms where we kind of 
um, identify similar uh, or statistically similar at spaces and use information from performance information from these spaces in order to learn uh, quicker for uh, the unknown spaces. Uh, all these kind of things uh, add up actually and, and just make it a very complex system. And on the other hand, for the user, it makes it controllable again. So mm -hmm. they can, it makes the big data, um, uh, how do you say, like uh, handable, uh, uh, usable again. Yeah. If we're looking at the wider industry, not just a single customer, how do you think um, this technology, type of machine learning technologies that you are using, how does that influence the advertising industry? Has that to totally changed it? Is it still changing? Like, how do you see the impact of that? I mean, if for our company, I hope that it's it will change more dramatically than it did. Um, I think it changed the industry already a bit, but still, if you look at how people run programmatic advertising campaigns, it's still pretty manual to my feeling. Uh, for example, you have still people sitting in front of the campaigns, optimizing campaigns, which to me is not understandable, to be honest, because if I look at the stock markets, you don't have guys on the trading floors anymore who are giving like hand signs to do deals and stuff like this. But this still is kind of true in the advertising world. And uh, that, that will and needs to change very quickly because at the moment, I think we are not really um, kind of using the efficiency uh, potential that, that we have in this industry. Mm -hmm. And this is, to be honest, also our biggest struggle to explain to people what technology is capable of uh, nowadays. And on the other hand, kind of take away the fear, like, uh, no, we are not taking your job. We are just, let's say, enabling you to become more powerful and to do more, let's say, um, Things which matter, or let's say, which better fit the human human brain, mm -hmm. which is typically creativity, for example, or yeah. strategy, and stuff like this. Yeah. But um, that's that's the biggest problem that we have in the, I think, in the advertising industry, that people are fearful of automation in in many ways because they feel themselves threatened, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it also seems that many people are very happy with having some kind of, let's say special knowledge about um tricks a little bit like the seo guys in the, in the old days had their kind of black hat strategies um which back then worked and nowadays i mean things just change in the end everything can be done by a human being yeah but the question is does it make sense yeah so you would say so if the biggest fear that you see around this technology is actually the how your job how the job changes with this technology yes. is that so yes, that, that, let's say at least that, that, that's my observation that many people just, I mean, that's something we can see in other industries as well, that people are kind of, let's say, reluctant and having changes in their life, in their job, uh, because they always fear that they'll be gone. Um, but if you look back at, in, uh, for example, the days when the PC was introduced, mm -hmm. it didn't uh, kind of, let's say, destroy lots of jobs. It just changed jobs and actually created new jobs. Mm -hmm. And so I'm actually very positive about the whole AI thing, uh, especially if you put it into perspective that AI is not, let's say, some strange thing that will all of a sudden uh, uh, destroy all the world or something like mm -hmm. this. It's just an enabler. And in the end, it's still technology controlled by human beings uh, and programmed, developed yeah. by human beings. Yeah. And do you see if we're looking sort of at you know, if jobs are changing, do you see people that are now entering the market or the workforce, like young people coming from university, do they already have the skills to work with these technologies? Or do you see there's also a gap between sort of what they could do and what they actually can yeah. do? 
I don't think that I have the, um, let's say the, the experience of in working with enough young people to, to actually, um, have, have a proper opinion on that. Um, but what I would, what I can imagine if, if I look at young people, how they use mobile phones, for example, they don't question how the mobile phone works. Mm -hmm. They just use it. And this, this is what I also imagine about, uh, let's say people coming into our industry or in AI enabled industries that they don't question exactly like how every detail of this, uh, of this technology works, but that they understand like in math in school that you have to understand how to get to the result mm -hmm. and what's the kind of way to, uh, to do it. Um, but if you kind of, let's say, use the calculator in a wrong way, okay, that can happen. That's fine. Uh, but you have to be able to kind of use the tool in the proper way. And, um, you don't have to be able to build the tool. And that's, that's, I think the big difference. We don't need to be able to build the tool. We need to be able to use it. Yeah. And I think that's probably a big misconception as well that I hear from a lot of people where they say, Oh, you know, machine learning is coming, but I can't write code, you know, which is might not be required. You just need to understand how to work. Correct. Correct. That's, itself. that's, that's, that's a very good point. Uh, it's, it's like you do not need to understand all the, how the AI exactly works and all the statistical formula behind it. Um, because, uh, most people won't understand it, including me. I'm not a statistician, so I don't know the formulas. I actually dropped out of university because I failed in statistics. Um, so, um, that's, that's not the point. You have to kind of understand how to use it. Mm -hmm. Okay. And if we're looking at um, sort of your your bigger vision for AI and your own company, but also the industry, what would you say is that? Where would you see it going, let's say, in five years? Mm -hmm. Definitely, it will, let's say, um, the evolution will go on. Uh, so we will see more and more spaces where AI will enable new things or make things way more efficient. Uh, and I mean, we are talking about self-driving cars all the time. I think this is still a very long way to go. Um, if you've ever kind of driven a Tesla or Mercedes or whatever with self-driving uh, uh, capabilities, it's not actually what you, uh, what you expect from a purely self-driving car. Mm -hmm. you, you still need to control the whole thing. And I think this is a pretty good explanation. Also, what, what you can expect from AI in the next coming five years You still need a human being to kind of, let's say, control things, um, give the right input, um, and, and, and also, let's say, help to define the frame or the, the, um, the boundaries in which AI should, uh, should take place. Because so far, it's not like a human being and it will not replace a human being for the next couple of, uh, of years. Um, so, uh, it's, again, it's about like using it in the right way and defining the usage of it, yeah. um, and not, Let's say we're not building a new human being here. Yeah. And then um, in one sentence, how, what would you say is, is the business model of, of BitManagement GmbH? So actually the business model of, of, uh, of Adspot is taking a share of the increased profit of our customers. Mm -hmm. um, and the increased profit of obviously comes from our, the work that we do, that our software does. Uh, which goes back to the engineers which are working on on, on creating the software. So that that's basically the main business model. Um, for the future, uh, I hope that more and more will be automated. Um, so uh, I hope that uh, 
things like these conversation will help more people to be more open to let, uh, let's say, technology take over parts of their work yeah. and just trust it. And maybe one thing to share from my from my financial services experience uh, back back in the days, uh, where it's very very common already for like 30, 40 years to have automated systems help you take decisions. Uh, it just makes you a lot more uh, efficient and effective. And um, it doesn't just doesn't make sense to, for example, um, do big calculations without Excel. You wouldn't do that. Uh, you always use a calculator to do, let's say, more sophisticated calculations. So why not accept it in your typical business life to have machines do it. And uh, yes, it might be that the machine also is sometimes wrong, or maybe you sometimes don't understand it, but in, uh, let's say 10 times uh, out of a hundred times, it might go wrong, but uh, the 90 times are way more valuable in their results than the 10 times that it, uh, that it went wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, so uh, that, that's one thing. And the other thing is, which is caused by that, that humans tend to, let's say, um, ignore their own failures or uh, think about their own failures in a different way. If they see a machine doing something wrong, it's like, ah, see, the machine is wrong. I told you it will be wrong. Mm -hmm. If the human is wrong, it's like, yeah, that was just a small mistake. Mm -hmm. And this just needs to change. And I think if we are more open to kind of accepting errors, which is something that we need to have in business life anyways, um, I think that it will also help accepting the machine as a part of our kind of work life. Yeah. That were Jessica Schmeis and Marcel Peerlich. If you want to know more about Jessica's research project, Demystifying AI, you can find more information in the show notes. For other research projects and current digital events, go to hiig.de. And of course, if you enjoyed this conversation and you'd like to hear more like these, don't forget to give us a rating on iTunes or leave us a comment. In the next installment, I'm talking to Max von Grafenstein about data governance and smart cities. This was Exploring Digital Spheres. Catch you on the flip side.